the first instrument of digestion is the mouth. If you want the word of God to get into your system, learn to speak it. I say this a lot. It's not what's in the Bible that works for you effectively. It's what's in your spirit. That's why God tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He tells him to meditate on it, to be careful to do what's in it. And then he says, then shall your way be prosperous. He didn't come to him and say, simply because it's in the book of the law, your way shall be prosperous. Get it in your mouth. It's the first instrument of digestion. And I will tell you something. One of the easiest ways to meditate on the scriptures is to sing songs about it. Because singing is one of the easiest ways of meditation. The day you realize that, you'll be careful about which songs you sing. It's an easy way of meditation. There was a time I was, I was trying to find a way to meditate on how powerful the word of God is. So, let's, let's start today. Today, basically, I'm introducing the theme of the year. And I'm introducing you to the direction that we'll take now in terms of how I'll teach you over the next few weeks or months. By the time I'm done with you. By the time I'm done with you. <laughs> I said by the time I'm done with you. Okay. You may be listening to me right now and you're not saved. Today's the day you're getting born again. You may be listening to me and maybe you've never really grown much in the faith. You've been shaky, up, down, up, down. You may be listening to me and you're struggling. You may be listening to me and you're good. You may be listening to me and you're very strong. Whatever the case, by the time I'm done with you, That's why I'm relaxed. If you know anyone in the corporate belt, you can tell them I'll be coming in February. February, I'll be on the corporate belt to establish the ministry there. And uh, the weeks when I'm not around, I'm still resident pastor here, so this is my main base. The weeks when I'm not around, they are great and anointed people that will be teaching. Listen to them. And honor God's word in them by showing up. Don't be one of those people who travels with the pastor. I'm not talking about physically traveling with the pastor. There are people who, when you travel, they travel with you. <laughs> I was just shocked that there were one or two people who went to Kenya with me. I just couldn't see them. They were in the spirit. Don't be one of those. Otherwise, the day you come back, we'll do something. So let's begin. I, therefore, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So let's start with the first part. I commend you to God. If we were to put it in... Let me see if I have... 
another translation. No, it's okay. Keep that one there. If we were to put it, th- that line, I commend you to God. It's, it's something I've kept thinking about so much. Somebody say, I commend you to God. Tell your neighbor, I commend you to God. How would you put it? Can you imagine Paul was about to depart? This was his final speech. These people that he was talking to, are you aware that Paul was probably never going to see them again? The Apostle Paul was never going to see them again. Because if you've read the book of Acts, you realize that this was a time when Paul was now about to be killed or something like that. So he was about to face trial. So he's talking to his church and he's talking to people who he might never see again. And so the words that he's going to speak are probably the most important words he might ever tell them. Probably the most important sermon he might ever preach to them. And the last words he ever tells them, he's, he gives them the secret to success. He gives them the secret to how he turned from being a murderer to being one of the greatest apostles ever. He gives them the secret to his exponential growth. And he tells them, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Starting with that part, I commend you to God. When you are commended to someone, it means you are referred to them. How would we put it in Nyanja? Niku. Come on, somebody shout it. Nakufakamu. Nakuchita commend. How would you put it? Okay, how would you put it in Bemba? Somebody shout it. De kuvika. De what? Nde tula. Nde kutula mu. Uma woko ya kwale saha. Iyo. Okay. So you can imagine somebody saying, I'm putting you in this one's hands. A few questions. And examples. If you were to be if you were to be in a situation where you've got a baby and somebody wants to come and help carry your baby, speaking of babies. So somebody wants to come and help carry your baby. And that person is so weak, so feeble, so small, and is practically a baby. Are you going to put your baby in their hands? You're not going to put your baby in the hands of people who, can, who do not have the capacity to hold that child. Somebody say glory. glory. Say it one more time. Glory. That's, that's, that's how you'd say it in Tewa. It's like you're literally referring someone to somebody. Like, I'm putting you in the hands of God. Think about this. If 
a person is having health problems. The biggest problem is their health. Are you going to commend them to a lawyer? Who you commend them to? A medical practitioner, right? If a person is having legal problems, are you going to commend them to a developmental analyst? You most likely commend them to a lawyer. What am I trying to say? If you are being commended to someone, then that person must be a specialist and they must be do good at what they do. And so, if I don't know about you, but if what you want in life is to be built up, if what you want in life is to have your portion, your inheritance, where you are named among the great, where you are named among those who've got a testimony. I don't know if you're getting my point. Where you're tired of just hearing about other people's testimonies. You also want your own. You want your own story. You don't want to stand before people and speak about a person A, B, C, D. You want to speak even about what you have experienced. Then you are commended to the specialist in testimonies. You are if, if, if you're having life troubles, you're commended to the author of life. Hallelujah. Maybe somebody here is having trouble with their fertility. You're commended to the one who gives children. You're having trouble. You're, you're struggling to find a proper mate. You're commended to the one who brought Eve to Adam. I don't know if you're getting my point. As in you're being commended to God. Do you know what it means to be commended to God? Do you know who he is? He's a specialist. He specializes in everything. When Moses asked, which God should I say sent me? He says, say, I am that I am. You know what that means? I will be what I will be. Meaning when you need me to be this, that's what I am. When you need me to be this, that's what I am. That's why you find they would have different names for him. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. Whatever they needed him to be, that's what he was. And Paul says, I commend you to God. Tell your neighbor, I commend you to God. Tell him, seriously, I'm commending you to God. So when you are commended to someone, you are under their care. There are a few things I want you to know about being with God. Number one, are you aware that if you... By the way, let me, let me just say this. When you are commended to someone, your role is to submit to them. I have referred you to Dr. A. Your role first is to go to Dr. A and then listen to what Dr. A tells you. So what I, by, but by virtue of you going there, by virtue of you going to the hospital, sitting in that line, not that that's the favorite thing to do, but you're sitting in that line. By doing that, what are you doing? You're submitting to them. You're following them to their office. You're not waiting for them to follow you. Is somebody following me? If you are commended to someone, your role is to submit to them. And so Paul commends us to God. Your role is to submit to God. Let me tell you a few things that will happen in your life when you're submitted to God. Listen to me. And listen to me well. Number one, you'll never fall. Hey, let me say it again. You'll never fall. No, pastor, everyone falls. No, you, you'll never fall. You'll never backslide. 
You may be listening to me and you're in a backslidden state. Welcome back. You're not going back again. The prodigal son didn't leave again. I said you will never fall. Let me show you. Jude verse 24. Jude only has one chapter, so we don't usually quote the chapter. Jude verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This God we are commending you to is able to keep you from stumbling. You can live a life where you never fall. That's why, remember when I taught you on the lesser truths and the higher truths, eh? You can't live your whole life by a righteous man shall fall seven times. And you shall rise again. And then you are on your ninth time. You can't live your life based on that law. No, you can't. You can go for a higher law. You can go for being the one who has in, who's that righteous one who's entrusted himself before God, who is able to keep him from falling, to keep him from stumbling. You're struggling in every area of your life. I commend you to God. He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from falling. Say after me, I'll never fall. I submit myself to God. Who is able to keep me from stumbling. Now, not only is he able to keep you, and notice it says, and present you faultless. Can you imagine? We're dealing with a God who can present you faultless. What else can this God do for you? Ephesians 3 verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. We are commending you to a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all we ask or think. He's able to supersede our prayers. He's able to supersede our petitions, our, our requests. He's able to do more than we ask. That's the God we are commending you to. Say after me, I submit myself to God who is able to, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I ask or even think according to the power that's working in me. I'm going to show you my favorite part. Let me tell you something else about being commended to this God. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is a very interesting script, portion of scripture. Don't you think so? John chapter 10. If I showed you something about John chapter 10, I think you'd be surprised. Do you think we're ready for such? This year, should I just be showing them to you? No more... No more going around. I can just be showing you, eh? That we are growing this year. You know, when you read John chapter 10, when you read John chapter 10, and 
verse 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Most of the times we believe it's talking about the devil, right? And I understand that because Satan is a thief. So most likely these are his attributes. But are you aware that in the context of the scripture, he was not talking about the devil? Have you ever read the context? He was talking about false teachers. Look, stand. He was talking about false teachers. Read the context. Read it from the first part. He's talking about bad shepherds. Then he talks about how other people come but not through the door. And that thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. One of Satan's greatest agents in this world, Peter did warn us that there were false prophets in those days, just as there will be false teachers among you. And many people are on the lookout for false prophets, but they're not on the lookout for false teachers. A false teacher can rob you out of what God has given you. Can Imagine, a false teacher can make you pay for what God has freely given you. Can rob you out of your inheritance by not giving you the word of his grace. If you read the context, you're talking about false teachers. But of course, these are attributes of Satan. I'm telling you, majority of people are being robbed out of what is rightfully theirs by wrong teachings they are being given. Don't you think that's why Jesus was so angry and he said, woe to you, teachers of the law, for you have taken away the key of knowledge from the people. You did not enter yourselves and you've blocked others from entering. Meaning there are realms people should have entered through knowledge, but these guys decided to block this knowledge. Now I want us to say something about being commended to God. Something that really blesses me. John chapter 10. And I want us to read verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Somebody say, I hear his voice. I hear his voice. Say it again, I hear, his voice. I hear his voice. Now I want you to look at the next verse. And I give them eternal life. Say it, I have eternal life. I have eternal life. Now the Greek word for eternal life is the word zoe so in our teachings if you hear us talking about zoe we are talking about eternal life and the proper definition is the life of god so he gives us the same life god has he gives us the life of god say it i have eternal life life. say it again i have eternal life so he says i give them eternal life and they shall never perish Never. They shall never perish. The word, the Greek word for never 
means never. Somebody say they shall never perish. Then it says, and I want you to see this, oh my. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Why? Uh-huh. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. It says, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I received the text. Should be yesterday. And somebody was very concerned. Because somebody had given out their name and number to, to someone. And they were concerned that what if they want to use my name and number for witchcraft? I've, I've heard people say, hey, be careful. Don't post your photos on Facebook. They'll bewitch you. Um, anyway, your photos are everywhere. School ID, NRC. Don't do this, they'll do this. Don't do this, they'll do this. Do you see why false, Do you see why... Jesus hates false teachings because they come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if a person has believed the wrong teaching, they don't have the shield of faith. Do you know that faith forms a shield around you? And what does the field... Let me show you. Look at this. Ephesians. We're coming back to this. But I want you to see what faith does to you. Ephesians chapter number 6. And I want you to see this. Verse 10. This is why... This sometimes differentiates those who every night for them is a night of attacks. And people have glorified attacks. Like being a Christian is about having attacks. What are you talking about? Are there moments which the Bible calls an evil day? Yes. Then say evil days. You can't January to December every night you're having an attack. There's a problem. Check, check what you've believed. Check what you've believed. <laughs> We're going somewhere. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh-huh. Then it says, put on the whole armor of God. So the armor has been given to you. It's up to you to put it on. If you don't put it on, then do not be surprised by what happens to you if you don't put it on. Remember this. If person A has been given armor, person B has not been given armor, but person A doesn't put on the armor he's been given, then they're just like person B. They might experience the same things person B is experiencing. So it says, put on the form of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh -huh. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Then we are now being shown the armor. Next verse. Having your waist girded. Stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth. We are coming back. I want to show you something about that scripture about snatching out of his hand. But it starts by saying, having your waist girded with the truth. Now, when Paul was writing this, he was describing a Roman soldier. Why a Roman soldier? Because they were colonized by the Romans. Not so. I'm sure you know Paul was an Israelite. He was a Jew. But I'm sure you know that he was a Roman citizen. Not so. 
come on, you've read the book of Acts. That's why he was able to appeal to Caesar. And the likelihood is that that citizenship was probably bought by his father because you could buy citizenship, right? Hello. We are following. <laughs> you say this year, no holding back. So now, the way a Roman soldier worked is that he had a belt. That belt held everything together. The sword was on the belt. The shield was on the belt. So without the belt, it's like the way a person might need a belt for their trousers not to fall off. So without the belt, there would be serious issues. Everything else would fall off. Similarly, in spiritual warfare, the first important thing is the truth. Without the truth, you've got nowhere to rest your sword. You've got nowhere to rest your shield. Now, here's the thing. Now, here's the thing. Here is a person who does not know the truth that no one can snatch out of his hand, out of God's hand. Here is a person who does not know the truth that if any man be in Christ is a new creation. Here is a person who does not know the truth that when you're in Christ, the old things have passed away. You can't, you can't, it's not possible. You, you can't be in Christ and be in a generational curse. It's not possible. Now, here's a person who doesn't know that. And then the enemy attacks him. No matter how many swords they fight at the enemy, where will they rest their sword? There's no truth. They're putting back the sword on the truth that they're under a curse. That's a lie. We'll go, in, we'll go deeper in this as we go on to see how to use the word of God in warfare. Now, I'll tell you something about the way Satan works. Satan doesn't care. <laughs> Let me put it like this. Satan doesn't care that you're a new creation. He doesn't care. Trust me, he doesn't care. He's a thief. A thief means a person who does things which are illegal. He doesn't mind doing an illegal thing. He doesn't mind doing an illegal thing. But then we are shown how we can withstand the enemy's attacks. Look at this. Breastplate of righteousness, verse 15. Uh-huh, next verse. Above all, meaning above all these things, what must you do? Take in the shield of faith. What's faith? Faith is your conviction of the truthfulness of God's word. Faith is what comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So meaning, if today I'm to believe that if I'm in Jesus' hands, no one can snatch out of his hands. Here's what happens. It says, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So will weapons be formed? They'll be formed. Will they be launched against me? They'll be launched against me. But if I've taken the shield of faith, I've confessed it, I form a force field, I form a shield, and when the weapon of the enemy comes, it finds no one can snatch out of it and down to the ground. That's how it works. You will now understand why your greatest weapon in spiritual warfare is the word of God. So what am I trying to say? You are being commended to a God who is able to keep you from falling. You are being commended to a God who is able to super, super answer your prayers. And you are being commended to a God who no one can snatch out of his hand. Because he's greater than all. No one. And no one means no one. 
There is no force. There is no power. There is no devil. There is no witch. There is no human. There is no enchantment. There is no charm. There is no spell. Nothing. Nothing. Glory to God. I'm telling you, if gentlemen want to catch this, somebody, <laughs> spirit-filled believer, somebody goes to smoke your name and you fall for them. For the problem. No one can snatch. No. No one can control the way you think. No one can control your heart. The moon is full. When the moon is full, you lose your temper. Not with you. Forget your personality type. Your new personality type is the word of God. The word of God is your dominant personality. After all, the word is a person. You see why we say your word is alive and is what? Growing inside of me. What happens to your faith? My faith gets bigger. Ha ha ha! Okay. So now I'm showing you something. It says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. So the first thing I've told you is you have to submit yourself to God. So you submit yourself to God how? Firstly, through salvation. You submit yourself to God through salvation. You have to believe in his son. You have to believe that Jesus is the son of God. You have to confess Jesus as your master. You have to submit yourself to God through salvation. Give me 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It shows you what God's desire is. It says, who desires all men to be saved. So meaning the first aspect of submission is salvation. If I may ask, are we all born again? Don't answer for your neighbor. Just ask them. Ask, 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 ask. <laughs> Ask, are you sure? <laughs> if you think to, it's to be sure. So it says, who desires all men to be saved? And I'll tell you something. If you're not saved, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you came today. Because it's so easy. You have to believe Jesus as Lord. As Lord, as Master. And you submit yourself to him. Because listen, you'll never be able to pay back for your sin you'll never be able to pay. But Jesus paid the price. The moment you submit yourself to Jesus, you know what happens? God will no longer judge you by what you did. He'll judge you by what Jesus did. Because Jesus Christ became your substitute. You understand further when we go deeper into the word of his grace in a few weeks or months. But Jesus became your substitute. Where you were supposed to go, he went. So that only where he was supposed to go, you can go. He was the only begotten of the Father. You know he's no longer the only begotten of the Father. You know what the Bible calls him now? The firstborn among many. And for this cause, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. So you submit to him through salvation. And you also submit to him by submitting to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to see that Jesus said sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 
allow me to say ladies and gentlemen that you cannot submit to god without submitting to his word just hold on for now no keyboard you cannot submit to god without submitting to his word so let's go back to that doctor example here is a person they've been told i commend you to dr a who is a specialist in that issue that person goes to dr a and the moment doc- so they've done the first part they've gone to dr a they've submitted then the moment dr a starts speaking they put on headsets there will be a problem there because they've not submitted to the word and then after dr a has after they speak and the, the doctor has spoken and they've put on headsets they are given a prescription they tear it up and go decide their own dosage where it's supposed to be one per day they are taking 15 per morning at so they recover fast do you know what do you know what they're doing there they are not submitting to the word of his profession so they are not submitting to the word of their healing so it's ignorance it's it's wrong you cannot claim to be submitting to god oh lord i surrender all to you i surrender to you when you are not knowing and listening to his word then you are not submitting to god you just like him let me go on jesus made a statement that bothered me have you ever seen the book of ecclesiastes where solomon said i've seen an error under the sun and he talks about different errors now i want you to see a statement jesus made there was a time jesus was asked about you give me mark 12:24 there was a time jesus was asked about this woman who married seven men she finished the entire line of brothers all of them she was not conceiving for them and they were all dying and then she died after all seven brothers finished oh now that one is a pattern <laughs> there i can accept <laughs> she finished the entire lineage seven now look at what it says give me the king james he says do you not therefore err because you know not the scriptures neither the power of god so what's the source of error when you don't know the scriptures you don't know the power of god give me the amplified is this not where you wander out of the way and go wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of god the source of error is when you don't know the scriptures you don't know the power of god and now paul commends us to god and to the word of his grace so we're not just visiting the specialist we're also hearing what the specialist has to say and sometimes that's the biggest problem we have we are very good at speaking not very good at hearing what they have to say to us even with counseling if you get an opportunity to be counseled over any matter 
don't just speak, listen. If all you do is speak and not listen, then it's not counseling, it's venting. And there's a difference. So he says, are you not there for mistaken? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. I don't know about you, but I refuse to live in error. I refuse to be mistaken or go wrong or wander off in any area. I choose to know the scriptures. So your mindset must yield to God's mindset. Don't and, we, and this here will teach you how to understand the Bible. You can't live your whole life staying comfortable with anyway. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. How do you live your life from there? Azoya, John the Baptist, who the Bible says there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Haven't you read later where it says, but you have the mind of Christ? How do you live your life on I has not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered the mind of a man? When the very next verse says, but God has revealed these things to us by his spirit. Why settle for less when there is more? You can't spend your entire life in grade one. It stops being adorable. The first day of school, eh, we, we sit, like January, we're going to see a number of them. Hello, don't criticize, don't hate. You also do the same thing, or you've done the same thing. But we'll see a lot of bandros of joy in a school uniform and the like, and, and, and people will be posting for us. Others graduate. You know, I've seen people graduated from pre grade to grade one with a gown and all the. <laughs> Praise God. Our private schools are in, uh, they are making it. Yeah, so I would love to attend a graduation ceremony. Do they graduate like with merits, credits, distinctions? <laughs> I have no idea. But anyways, so you see people graduating from pre-grade to grade one and, and all that kind of stuff. And But eventually, but for some reason, you don't see anybody posting their... 15-year-old child who's entering grade one. Because at that stage, it's not really adorable. It may not be that adorable anymore. My friend, how long have you been in Christ? How long have you been in Christ? Some things are not adorable anymore. Ah, we need to grow up. This year, you are growing. Tell your neighbor, this year I'm growing. I'm not just aging, I am growing. Now, your mindset must yield to his, and you must know that you cannot know God outside his word. You cannot know God outside his word. I'm setting a platform for the way I will teach later during the year. But you cannot know God outside his word. There are some people who've got zeal for God, but that zeal is not according to knowledge. That's what the Bible says. They've got zeal for God, but the zeal is not according to knowledge. Have you seen that scripture? Is it Romans 10? Give it to me. 
I know Solomon said zeal without knowledge is not good, but give me Romans 10 verse 2. Romans 10 verse 2, the Bible says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Remember Proverbs 1.28. Give it to me. What does it say? Then they will call on me, but I won't answer. They will seek me diligently, but they won't find me. Why? Next verse. Because they hated knowledge. Go back to Romans 10 verse 2. Imagine, it says, I bear witness with them that they have zeal for God. You meet people who love prayers. They love being in fellowship. But that zeal is not according to knowledge. They've not upgraded. They've not matched up their zeal with knowledge. But can you imagine a person with zeal and knowledge? Oh, you can't touch them. So zealous, so knowledgeable, you can't touch them. The same passion that you express when singing um, Are you also flying him in the scriptures? Or in a five-minute song? Oh, yes, I said it. Then is it really flying him? Or you just like singing about him? I mean, if, if the flying him if they're searching for him, can't lead you to open the scriptures. We've given you Proverbs challenge. Just read us one chapter per day. If they're searching for him, can't lead you to open the scriptures. There's a problem. If it can't lead you to pay attention during a sermon, then there's a problem. Praise the Lord. You have to be at a place where you are zealous according to knowledge. Give me Matthew 6.33. I want the Amplified. The Bible says, but seek first, seek, aim at, strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. Look at what it says about his righteousness. What does it mean? His way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. I, if there is something I must mention which I really want you to watch out for. Something that bothers me and has bothered me in these years for me of being in the faith. It's the aspect of having zeal without knowledge. Where your zeal is not according to knowledge. I'll give you an example. Sometimes someone will zealously approach me and say, Pastor, pray for me. And I'll ask in what direction as the Spirit leads. What do you mean? If the Spirit has led me, he'll tell me. You don't tell me as the Spirit leads. Give me a direction. You can say, bless me or speak a word or something like that. Can I tell you why? Because biblically, the Bible says, make your request known to God. So that's a zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. 
Oh my. Sometimes someone will come and say, um, I just want to know if this is his will. Okay, have you read what the scriptures say about it? No. What are you waiting for? A big bugging voice to come and tell you this is his will? The Bible says the word is near you. Have you seen that scripture? Can I show it to you? It's in Romans 10, right? Is it verse 4? Let me see it. I'm just saying, you know. Give me a second. Somebody say glory to God. Say it one more time. Say the word is near you. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with my Bible. It's stupid. Verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of God is not far away from you. I'm just saying, listen to me. If I've received messages before, somebody sent me a message. Hi, I'm a pastor. I want you to mentor me. And I asked, what really do you, like, what, what exactly do you want? Because there's different kinds. You want me to help you with life, help you with this? Or it's just an impartation you want. And they were very honest. Say, okay, to be honest, I want to be able to flow in the gifts of healings, like you do. I replied, have you read my book, Jesus the Healer? They said, no. I stopped replying. I, I stopped. What was I going to say afterwards? Now, I'm, and, and this is me, I'm a human being. If a person comes to me and they want me to teach them what I've already written, I'm going to struggle with that. Somebody wants me to come and teach them about the Holy Spirit from scratch. I've written friend from another dimension, the Holy Spirit on you. It's very near. The person can be able to read all of them. And then from there, I can be able to build on that knowledge and teach them a bit more. Somebody is telling me they want, to, they want me to be helping them out and teaching them the scriptures, they don't listen to my podcast, then there's no point. What am I trying to say? Why should God speak any further to you when he's written thousands of words you're not willing to read? What's the point? Listen. What do you expect a voice from heaven to say Concerning, let's say, whether your relationship is the right one or not. If you're not even reading what the biblical standards of the right one or not is. I'm just saying, sometimes we express a lot of zeal for so many things. But not zeal according to knowledge. Not zeal according to the scriptures. And I'm commending you to God and to the word of his grace. Because you cannot effectively submit to God without submitting to his word. Can I mention one thing that got my attention today? When I read that part which says his way of doing and being right, we can get a little deeper. Eh? I immediately thought about the glory of God. I've got a question for you. And I want to get you thinking. Just, this, is, this is just to get you thinking. What really 
scripturally is his glory. If I tell you I want you to come for church this Sunday because you're going to experience his glory, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it a light? Is it something flashy? And all those things do happen. But I want to get you thinking. Of course, if we talk about his glory, then we're going to have to think about Moses, right? And do you remember what Moses said? Is it Exodus 34, 18? What did he say? He, Moses made a very simple request. What was it? Verse 8. Is it? No, that's after the Lord showed him his glory. Give me 33 verse 18. This is Moses. What does he say to God? Please. Please do what? Show me your glory. He says, please show me your glory. Now, he's shown his glory in Exodus 34, right? Exodus 34 verse 6. I want you to see this. The Lord passed before him. From the way people describe it sometimes, you think that the glory of God just manifests as the Lord coming. But interestingly, there was a voice in the experience. Interestingly, there were words in the experience. Notice, he says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. To proclaim is to preach. And what did he preach? He said, the Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Uh-huh. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of fathers upon children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. What happened? He learned about God. He learned about God. He learned who God is. He learned who God is. By the way, just to clear someone's mind, I shouldn't hear a person using this scripture and saying, you see, so the devil curses generations. This is not the devil, this is God. <laughs> and you can't bind God. Praise God for Jesus. Who through him we have generations forgiven. But here's my point. The day Moses was shown God's glory, some of us focus on whatever he may have seen or not seen. But do you know that the scripture doesn't focus on that? The scripture focuses on what he learned. Can I show you that the scripture focuses on what he learned? See how David records it in Psalm 103. Verse 7. It says, He made known his ways. So showing Moses his glory meant Moses got to know God's ways. So it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. What were his ways? Uh huh. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So the experience of Moses knowing God's glory was not devoid of Moses knowing God's word. 
When Moses had that experience at the mountain, that flashiness may have finished, but the word that was spoken has endured till now. So do you know that if you come for service and you hear the word of God, you're experiencing God's glory? Maybe, maybe you're not getting it, but maybe this scripture will make you get it. John 1. (laughs) Hey, John 1, verse 14. What does it say? One, two, three, go. Next line. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wait, wait, you're not seeing that. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Because Jesus is the glory of God in the flesh. And if you didn't know, Jesus is the word of God. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. I'm telling you, there are realms you will not reach without knowledge. There are dimensions of God you will not experience without knowledge. For every word, there is glory. That's why the Bible tells us, give me 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 from the Amplified. Look at what it says. 1, 2, 3, read. Come on, louder. Hallelujah. So the more you are entering into it, what's happening? You are, you are beholding the glory of God. And then what happens when you behold the glory of God? You transform into the one who you are beholding. You transform into the one who you are beholding. A relationship with God does not exist in a vacuum. You can't say, I'll not be reading the scriptures, but I'll be spending three hours in his presence. Doing what? You relate in what context when you don't know his word? That's why people go to the mountain and come back with other things. They thought God is found in, his, in the mountain. Not knowing that the word is near you. In your heart and in your mouth. Which is this message of faith that we have preached. Not knowing that you can search for God in the scriptures. Not knowing that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So if you want to know him who's been from the beginning and he says, I write to you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. Meaning what do they know? They know his word. Listen. I've had experiences, sometimes crazy ones. I can tell you something about all of them. I remember there was one experience I had. It was amazing. I told you about it. Where some of those who were with me that day know that I was very strange that day. Because I had a visitation. The Lord came to speak to me and there were about three or four angels that came. That day I was a strange man. I was walking very holy. I was walking like this. If you brought up any topic that wasn't scripture, I would have just given you a look and said, why, why, why are you so carnal? How can you talk about football at a time like this? I thought I would never watch another match again. I'm believing God for that grace. But nevertheless, I'm looking for something else to do, you know? I need hobbies. Hallelujah. You should text me suggestions of what you watch. Yeah, okay. But not Gujumpyo. 
So now, um, that day, I'm telling you, I felt so holy. And, you know, things kept happening. I was on my way to preach somewhere, and before then, I stopped at there's somewhere where I stopped. I wanted to get some breakfast because I knew I would leave probably a bit late. I reached, you know, just feeling very holy. In my head, I was singing, hallelujah. And I reached, and I ordered what I wanted. A person looks at me and says, wait, you're Apostle Fred, right? I said, yes. The person says, you don't have to pay. We are paying for everything. And I'm thinking, why did I get more? (laughs) 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 Nevertheless, it was just a holy day. Can I tell them about experiences? They don't last forever. How are you sure they finish? Before you know it, you're back to watching some funny football team. Very funny. God help them. What am I trying to say? No matter how many experiences you have, it doesn't last forever. But there is something that endures forever. His word endures forever. His word endures forever. Somebody say his word endures forever. So get the word behind the experience. Get the word behind the experience. And when you do that, what keeps happening to you? You are transforming more and more into his likeness. And remember, that's our aim, unto the perfect man. So this year, our focus will be a lot on that second part, the word of his grace. Because we know what it's able to do. It's able to build you up and give you your inheritance among those who are sanctified. That's our focus, the word of his grace. I'm telling you something. If your desire is to know God, if your desire is to grow up spiritually, if your desire is to dominate all spheres of the world by the word of God, you're in the right place. You may be here and you're having problems with your mind. Maybe your mind thinks a certain way. You may be here and you're having problems. Maybe you keep watching things you're not supposed to watch. You keep doing things you're not supposed to do. All those things, the answer is in the word. This is what the message translation says of Acts 20 verse 32. The message tells us, I'm turning you over to God. Our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. His word can make you what it wants you to be. Somebody may be saying, "Ah, Apostle, (laughs) exponential growth, you don't know my life. Me, whenever I try something, it doesn't work. I'm commending you to God and his word about your exponential growth. That word will make you what it wants you to be. And that word wants you to grow exponentially. I'm commending you to God and to the word of his grace. Someone may be saying, I've made this mistake, I've made this mistake. Praise God, it's not even the word of his judgment. It's the word of his grace. It's the word of his liberty. It's the word of his freedom. It's the word of his unmerited favor. It's the word of the good news about what Jesus Christ of Nazareth has done. Because Jesus became your substitute. Ah, the day we realize that. So during the midweek services, during the Sunday services, we're going deeper in this. 
by the time the year is done, it will be as though you've been to Bible school. No devil will be able to stand before you. You know too much. No, no sickness will be able to stand before you. You know too much. And remember the word, as it grows, what does it do? It prevails. As it grows, what does it do? It prevails. That's Acts 19.20. It says, so mightily grew the word and prevailed. It's going to become the dominant thought pattern. It will be the dominant No, I received these genes from my father. Well, there's a bigger father who's given you other genes. (laughs) Are you aware that the word of God is your father? Do you know that? Are you aware of that? 1 Peter 1.23. Is it 1 Peter 1.23 or 2 Peter 1.23? Let's try this first. (laughs) Uh Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. I don't know if there was something wrong with the genes you were born with. Maybe the genes you were born with had something that was corrupted. Maybe it brought about allergies. It brought about sickness. It brought about, um, I don't know. Maybe there are certain things that you carried in that seed. But guess what? You've been born again. You've been born for the second time. You've been born anew. And you've been born not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. How? Through the word of God, which abides forever. So if you want to know how you are and how you function, you have to go back to the manual. They teach you biology not because they opened your body. They studied other human beings. They know that if this person came from a human being, then most likely they function like a human being. So if you want to study a new creation, if you want to study a believer in Christ, you have to open up God. Hallelujah. And and guess what he's done? And Jesus has opened himself up. Why? Because he's the word. And he opened up his flesh to us. In the scriptures, he's opened himself up to us. If you want to know how that seed is, the one which has been born from the word of God, then you must know the word of God. Otherwise, you use it wrongly. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Somebody say, the word is near you. Say it one more time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I will not go further than this today. Because if I start, it's another hour or two. So today I will not start. The one thing I will say to those who are listening to me right now who have never found it necessary to go for the word for themselves as long as they've got an anointed pastor wisdom is crying out to you. For those who've been reading Proverbs, what is wisdom saying? In Proverbs 1, is it 21? What is wisdom saying? How long? How long? She cries out. Uh Uh-huh, next verse. Wisdom is crying, how long, you simple ones, would you love simplicity? How long would you love simple sermons? Why, just tell you, you have a car. How long? 
come on, I should spend two hours telling you you have a car. When I can tell you what you have in Christ, which can produce 15 cars. How long would you love simplicity? How long would you be a believer who doesn't know the definition of simple words like righteousness and holy? How long would you be a believer who doesn't know what it means to be sanctified? To be glorified? To be justified? Not for so long, as long as you are paying attention this year. All those things will go through. Imagine where we go through all these spiritual truths. I leave you with this word today. How long? How long? How long? Can I tell you one scripture? This is now off topic. I'm done. But that's one scripture that's been in my heart this year. Something I want to explore the depths of. Romans 5. How many of you are like me who don't like having issues with people? Raise your hands. Like you don't like having issues with people. You don't like a complicated life. Others will love it. Praise God for you. But can you imagine you can live a life where you've got no issues with God? Read Romans 5 verse 1. Loud. When you catch it, scream. Start. Can you imagine my grandparents I'm, I'm using them as a figure of speech their iniquity if there was any cannot affect my relationship with God. Can you imagine everything I did before cannot affect my relationship with God? Because I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To anybody you have peace with God. Now imagine we spend an entire series just exploring what it really means to have peace with God. And we know that grace and, and peace is multiplied through knowledge. So meaning even the grace to experience the benefits of peace with God will be more manifest because we have... Are you getting my point? So how many of you are... This will sound funny. How many of you are saying, Pastor, this year got deeper? <laughs> how many are saying let's go yonder this year like let's explore the world say after me I refuse to be simple I refuse to be like the veiled ones my face is unveiled I am beholding the glory of God hallelujah so please put it put it in your poetry put it in your songs put it in your spoken word put it in your raps put it in whatever you want to put it in just get the word of God in you and take declaration very seriously because the first place of digestion is the mouth We are done. Thank you. Everyone just quiet for a while. Thank you.
you know all the glory of your presence thank you no mics for now everyone just quiet he's Jesus strings please Jesus, awesome and glorious, you've made in us your temple, for we are born as living stones, where you're enthroned. Lord, as you rose from death in power, come rise within our worship. Come rise upon this face. Let the eyes that saw you raise Clothe us in your glory. Surround us with your grace and all the glory. Oh. We your temple, we give you reverence and so arise to your rest and be blessed by our praise. As we glory in your embrace, oh, and as your presence now fills this place, so let your glory fill this house let your praises fill our hearts Lord let each vessel for us to you the sacrifice of praise Lord, let your glory fill this house. And let your praises fill our hearts. And let each vessel offer us 
to you the sacrifice of praise. For I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to And take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your trust in Jesus and just to take him at his word and just to rest upon his promise just to know that saith the Lord you can sing that with me let's go and is so sweet to trust in Jesus and just to take him at his word and just to rest upon his promise and just to know that the Lord Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful day. Even as we commit every heart, every mind, thank you, you that is able to keep them from falling, you that is able to correct the one who's been wrong, you that is able to restore the one who has fallen, you who is able to lift, you who is able to grow, people exponentially you is able to reveal the hearts of men and you who is able to reveal the heart of God Spirit of God we acknowledge your presence in this place we thank you even for the multitude of angels that you have sent to minister to your people in the name of Jesus we have prayed amen I would like everyone seated please everyone seated Am I meeting some of you for the first time this year? 
I'm meeting you for the first time this year, say, yeah. You can say Happy New Year to me. Those are meeting for the first time, that is. Okay. I want you to find... You're already seated. If you are standing, I would have told you to walk up to five people. It removes some of you who've got some funny social awkwardness. You are free to stand and say hi to five people. I'm watching you all. Oh Lord my God. When I know someone consider all Thy power throughout the universe is played and sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great. I, I, for some reason, I prefer the Bemba version. I think it's rich. <laughs> we try it. Um, which verse do we start with? Ganaihu. Isha if Let's go. Atu mine Wanatu Fuilile. I hope we have one check. Atu sende Lemembushe su shonse Aweichi Champa Pusha Sana. Let's go to the other one. Let's just go to the last one. Christo, come on. Okay, let's begin. <laughs> if I was using the other mic, would have gone louder.
praise the lord i want you to make a prayer just before i begin just say just speak to him and tell him that you are ready for everything that he has for you just speak to him praise the lord praise the lord Praise the Lord. Today's service will be a bit different. I'm not doing a very extensive teaching because there's an assignment that, there's a specific assignment the Lord sent me with here. And... Um, I can always teach you next week. So, praise the Lord. So, if I keep breaking forth into singing, um, just I was going to say bear with me, but it's actually a good thing. That for me, that's usually how it starts flowing. So, for those who've just met me, you've just learned. That's usually how it starts flowing. That's how the assignment I was given works. There are those who break forth into thunderous tongues. Then you just know it's beginning to flow. So for me, that's the way it is. Okay. 30 more seconds, then I'll start. Just lift your hands one more time with your eyes closed in your seats. And I worship you with all my heart. With all my heart, Lord, I, I worship you with all my heart, with all my heart. Praise the Lord. Let's begin. Um, I had a very interesting experience a few days ago. And it was interesting. And I'm going to share it with you. If there's something that I'm praying all of us get to grasp, it's that be free before your God. The Bible says being justified by faith, we have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. Be free with him. Be free in his presence. Such atmospheres shouldn't be strange for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It shouldn't be strange. Usually when an atmosphere like this is strange for you, it's either you've not really experienced it or there is something your heart is condemning you about. That's why if you want to enjoy the presence of God, make sure everything in your life is aligned. Otherwise, when his presence comes, you'll always be feeling like the worst person. That's what happened with Isaiah. The moment he experienced his presence, he said, woe is me. Imagine he said, cursed is me. Because my tongue is unclean. But then God 
had come with a solution. And so even as you're in this place, there's a solution. Praise the Lord. I had an experience about um, a few days ago. I've forgotten the day, really. Could have been Tuesday or Wednesday. I would have to see if I wrote it down. And it's what inspired the direction that we would take today. Because as you know, um, I love to teach. And there's a series I've been building to teach you. I've been building it since last year. But maybe next week. So I had an experience. And in this experience, it was about 2 or 3 in the morning. Um, usually awake by that time. I, I'm awake usually up to two or three. Um, when your devices are busy the whole day and you have to attend to people the whole day, you need to find your own me time. So usually for me, it's around, it's very early in the morning. Also because I know myself, once I sleep, <laughs> I remember when I was in high school and there was that period of high school where you're experimenting your methods of studying. Mm. I tried that one for waking up. <laughs> it wasn't for me. I remember I would wake up at three or four, actually not even four, four or five, and I would be, I would be my sister, and she's concentrating. For me, I would read the same sentence for one hour. Then I realized that I better make use of myself while I'm awake. And it also didn't work for me when I tried the one for waking up to pray. It didn't work. It didn't, it didn't work. I would speak gibberish. Some of the prayer points I've given God. <laughs> so I preferred, usually if I wake up, then I've had a very, maybe I've had an experience. And sometimes to motivate myself, I'll wake everyone up. Who's been with me before when I woke you up at three or at four? Saying, let's all go pray. Who's been with me? Some of you have, eh? Yeah. We had some gentlemen home. Their days I would wake up for them. And I know they slept late. Hey, everyone, get up. Can you all start praying in tongues? Can I you? I can't hear you. <laughs> if they doze off, I would tell them to give the next prayer point. So I was awake. But, you know, there's that awakeness for where you are about to sleep. And sometimes, I don't know why yet, but it's scriptural. But, you know, sometimes that's the time when you hear God very clearly. That's why when you get up in the morning, the first thing you shouldn't... You get up in the morning, your hand is already on the phone. As a matter of fact, you slept with your hand on the phone. You are typing... How are you? I don't know if people type how are you at midnight. Whatever you are typing. And when you woke up, you are even pressing send. Like, try to give yourself some space. Because in the book of Job, we are told that the Lord speaks once or twice, yet man cannot perceive him. Then he says, law in a vision, um, in a dream, or in the vision of a night. I believe that God communicates with us all day. Sometimes we're not able to sense him because we get so caught up and busy. So sometimes what happens is that when you go to bed, your spirit man 
sometimes it comes directly from your spirit man. Your spirit man will communicate a message to you. And that's why sometimes that message will come in form of a dream which only you can understand. Because your spirit knows you. So sometimes your spirit will communicate it using figures and actions that only you can understand. But then there are times it's directly from God and he usually uses symbols that everyone can understand. Let me give you an example. There was a time the Lord, I had a dream and that dream had to do with my former school and that was meaning something. He was trying to talk to me about foundations. But if somebody else here who was at St. Mary's dreamt about material boys, it wouldn't mean the same thing. So that's something that only I can understand because my spirit knows me. So there are times where it's like you receive a text and you read it in your own voice. And let's say some people here, when you receive a text, you read all your messages in people's voices. You even start imitating. <laughs> but then on the other hand, if I'm to have a vision like the one Joseph had, which had to do with the sun, the moon, and the stars, whether you are Chinese, whether you are Russian, it probably has a similar symbolic meaning. I hope you're understanding my point. Praise the Lord. So, it's about two or so, and all of a sudden, the date was um, December 31st, 2020. Like, it just passed in a flash. It was December 31st, 2020. And, by the way, the vision lasted half a second. It's like the whole year flashed in half a second. So, you know, I'm like, then the moment, boom, the vision was done, a voice spoke very loudly. And that voice said, teach me to number my days that I may obtain a heart of wisdom. And that's a scripture, by the way. That's Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Majority of people are lacking in the wisdom of life because they've not learned to number their days. We are going further. It was so strong that even when I woke up later during the day, because I, I fell asleep afterwards, it was the first thing on my mind. The whole day I was thinking about it. And what began to happen is some of the flashes, like that half a second, at some point I would just recall, oh, this happened in June. Oh, this happened in, in February. We're getting somewhere. I, I want you to understand a few things. Um, maybe it's, it's about time we review a few things. You, you, you understand as we go further. I once had an experience which I'll share with you, then I'll, I'll, I'll go to the teaching. But this one, I want to share with you just for the sake of you understanding just how this concept of time works and how God is extremely bigger than it. There was a time, 2014 or 2015, we were having an overnight from home. 
because we were preparing for a World Empowerment Movement conference. So I remember I was with Pastor Daniel and I was with Alice and we decided to take some time to pray for the meeting. It was around 11. So we began to pray, but that day I was feeling strange when praying. I just wasn't feeling myself. It was feeling a little bit um, weird. And so I closed my eyes to pray and I've never asked them what happened. All I know is that before I knew it, we were done. And this was around 11, right? And so before I knew it, I got up from prayer and the time was around 16. It was 16 hours. And so at 16, I was a bit confused because you can imagine the confusion. I was a bit confused. And then people started coming home and arriving for the overnight. I remember one of the first should have been Bethel. She came in and walked into the living room. And the first thing she said is, I'm hungry. And went and I think made tea or something. Then somebody else came in. Then somebody else came in. But then suddenly I could also see somebody else who was on their way. It must have been Philippa. And I knew she was having a blue packet of lays. Then all of a sudden, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I want you to get me. All of a sudden, I woke up again and it was 15. I was confused. Uh -huh. The same way, uh -huh. now you can imagine the person who has experienced it. You follow me. I was confused. I kept saying, what's going on? What's going on? And I kept saying that for maybe an hour or so. I was just confused. Then, it's 16, right on the dot. Boom. Bethel arrives. Comes straight to the living room and says, Hey, I'm hungry. And goes inside. Then they started arriving in the same order. You, you remember it? And they sat down and I'm telling them, No, 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 this is not happening. You were there. Then I would tell them, The next person to knock is this one. The next person to knock is this one. Then comes this one. And then even that person who was eating a blue packet of leaves, we discovered. <laughs> It was a strange experience, but now let me say a few things about it. Some of these experiences just show you how limited time is. It's like you're trying to tell me this thing you call time, this thing you treasure called time. If you knew just how small it is, you can imagine within a second, the entire 2020 flashed. Then that word came about. Teach us to number our days that we may obtain wisdom from the Lord. There are people who have prioritized things in the realm of time, forgetting how short and how small this realm of time is. If you could number your days and start living for eternity, start making, as you're making, you know how we teach you to make long-term investments, right? You know how we teach you that development should be sustainable in that development of today should be done in such a way that it doesn't have a negative impact on the generations of the future, right? That's sustainable development. Now, in a similar manner, we must enjoy time. But don't forget there is eternity. Don't forget. You've read Ecclesiastes 12.1, right? Everyone has read that verse. Or give me Ecclesiastes 11 first. Ecclesiastes 11. Take me to the final scriptures of Ecclesiastes 11. 
Somebody say glory to God. Say it one more time. Is somebody glad they came to church today? Um, the previous verse that you were on. I want you to see this. Look at what it says. Eh? Rejoice, O young man. That's Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. In short, do whatever you want. What is it going to say? But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. So enjoy time. But don't forget eternity. Don't forget eternity is a longer investment. So let, let me not go into teaching mode because I need to do what God wants me to do. So a few things I want us to note. Then we'll go to our assignment. Number one, I want you to know that God is eternal. God is eternal. And what he has given man on earth is time. God is not defined by time. God is not defined by the Roman calendar or by the Gregorian calendar or by the calendar they use in Ethiopia. I think right now in Ethiopia they're in 20 what? How many years behind us are they? They should be 2013 or 2012, right? 2013, yeah, they're, they're behind us. The calendar they use is different. Then even in South Korea, they use... No, North Korea. Their calendar is slightly different from ours. God is not defined by those things. God is bigger than time. God is bigger than time. Praise the Lord. So I want us to see Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. The Bible says he has made everything beautiful in its time. And also he puts eternity in their hearts, except no one can find out the work God has done from the beginning to the end. This is a burden God has given man. Scripturally, I think if you read from the message translation, it calls it a burden. Let me see the, the message. But he has, left us, he has left us in the dark. Is it the NLT? Let me see the NLT. Okay. It's another version I should have been reading. And it says he has planted eternity in the human heart. Okay? Except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Now from the Amplified, you'll see it better. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. What's that? A divinely implanted sense of a purpose, working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. So what God has done to the human hearts is that he's placed something in you called eternity. That's why no matter how many physical things you try to satisfy it with, it's never satisfied. It's never satisfied. Because the only thing that can satisfy the human heart is eternity. If there is eternity in people's hearts, then the only thing that can satisfy it is eternal life. Not so. It takes eternity to fill up eternity. And so I want us to note those things. 
Wisdom comes when you count your days. What that means is when you realize that time is actually part of something bigger called eternity, you grow wise. Praise the Lord. When you realize that time is part of something bigger called eternity, you grow wise. Haven't we been seeking after wisdom? We have, eh? So scripturally, wisdom will grow when you realize that time is part of something bigger called eternity. Other things I want you to know. So despite the fact that God is eternal, he chooses specific times on earth to do certain things on earth. Don't you remember he stated in his word that for as long as the earth remains, what will happen? Seed time and harvest. Sowing and reaping. So meaning God, and when he created the stars and, and the sun and the like, didn't he say these are for seasons? So just as there are physical seasons, God does appoint seasons. That's why if you read, is it, um, if you read in the book of Galatians, is it 4, 6, where it says in the fullness of time, the son of God was manifest. There was a specific time that was appointed for that. And that time was not 2020. And I find it interesting that the world, no matter how much they try to run away from Jesus, they just can't. Even time is measured by Jesus. Before Christ, after death. Come on. He's the one. Okay. So having known that he does choose specific times, I also want you to know that the year 2020 is not a mystery to God. The Bible says a day is like a thousand, a thousand is like a day. For me, it was like half a second. This year is not a mystery to God. This year is not complicated for God. It's not a mysterious thing. This year is not strange to God. This year is not a mystery to him. There is nothing that can surprise him. It has already passed. It's not a mystery. Stop waiting for what the year holds. <laughs> Let's go on. You understand, sir. So this year is not a mystery to God. This year is not complicated to God. Therefore, this year should not be a mystery to a child of God. I say this year should not be a mystery to a child of God. Amen. These things should not remain a mystery to you. Let me show you a scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. What does the scripture say? It says, I has not seen, 1 Corinthians, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. The trouble we have is that people stay on this verse. They forget to move on to the next one. So this verse presents life as a mystery. But the next one says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. 
Somebody say, God has revealed them to us. Someone here may be asking, um, I don't know what the year holds. Are you serious? You already know what it holds. It holds exponential growth. <sighs> he's revealed it to us. It, he's revealed it. It's already been laid clear. If you're not careful, you'll spend up to July searching. But God makes it easier for us. He makes it easier because he uses a tool which is called the prophetic. God uses the prophetic to make it easier. He uses the prophetic to demystify certain things. Amos chapter 3 verse 7. We're building, eh? Amos 3 verse 7. The scriptures say, surely, uh huh, read it for yourselves. Can we read it with more conviction? Can you read it from the message translation? One to go. Your entire 2020, the story has already been told. Listen, it's already been told. God, the prophetic is God's primary instrument of change because it's his nature. Have you ever read Hebrews 11 verse 4? Hebrews 11 verse 4. In the 1 verse 3. Aha, uh-huh. one to go. Now, I want you to imagine this. The world that you see today was made out of things which are invisible. And we understand by faith that this world was made by the word of God. And if you've read Genesis 1, you see that what thing God would do is that he would speak. That's prophetic. That's prophetic. So meaning if he speaks to his servant, the prophets, they're not coming to your life to come and confirm it. No, that's too low for what the prophetic does. Let me give you an example. Imagine, imagine somebody is promised by the head of state. They work as a teacher and then they are promised that you're going to become coordinator of the region. What do they call them? Debs? Yeah, if you're coordinating a region, I think you're part of what's called the DEMS or something like that. And so you're told you're going to be coordinator of the region. You already know it. When the minister of education is sent and he calls you, he's not calling you to confirm what you know. That's not, the, that's not primarily what it is. Of course, if you know it, it's confirmation. 
He's been sent to make it legal. I don't know if you're getting my point. (laughs) He's been sent to establish it. So when a word is spoken over your life, it's creating your world. The same way the world was created by words. When a word is spoken, it's creating your world. That's where now you understand. There's a reason why the prophets didn't keep it to themselves. There's a reason why they shouted it on the mountains. There's a reason why they kept talking about Jesus, kept talking about Jesus. As they were speaking, you know what breath is called in the Hebrew? It's called ruach. They kept speaking, there was ruach. Speaking, there was ruach. And then one day an angel goes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child. And she says, how will this child come? And the angel says, the Ruach Hagodesh. You see that? They kept speaking Ruach, and all of a sudden, the Ruach Hagodesh was going to come. And Ruach Hagodesh is simply Holy Spirit. So, I remember I learned something from my pastor and it blew me away. He was saying, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and when Mary asked how these things be, the angel explained where he's from. He's from the presence of God. That angel was a messenger and yet the word that he spoke carried the same potency. Can you imagine? The word that he spoke had the same ability, had the same power. I remember when um, we were graduating, when we had our graduation recently, the president was supposed to be the guest of honor. And he sent someone on his behalf. I think he sent the Honorable Minister of Education. And the minister says, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember well, the minister gives a statement and says, um, on behalf of the president, um, he's donating, I think he said 100,000 to the building project. The fact that he was sent by the president, firstly, he was received the way they would receive the president. Secondly, his words were treated the way they would treat the president's words. So as far as they were concerned, they never needed to call the president and say, Ah, sir, is it really true? No, because the fact, the fact that he was sent meant it carried the same impact. It's as good as the money in your account. Now, that's an angel. Now, imagine somebody is sent who has God living in him. Can you imagine the potency? Imagine also the potency when you're speaking the word of God over your life. You who's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. So now, God's instrument of change is the prophetic. And I'm going to just say one more thing about the prophetic, then we're done. The prophetic, in very basic terms, has got two sides to it. In very basic terms. We've got forth-telling and we've got foretelling. Forth-telling, F-O-R-T-H, telling. 
and we've got foretelling, F-O-R-E, foretelling. So in basic terms, the prophetic has got these sides to it. It's got foretelling and it's got foretelling. Foretelling has to do with speaking the word of God to a situation. It has to do with speaking the word of God with power. That's where things like declarations come in. So meaning, if I get, if there's a situation, do you remember Ezekiel chapter number 37 when Ezekiel was in the valley of the dry bones? And then God asks Ezekiel saying, son of man, can these dry bones live again? And he says, only you know. And then God tells him to say, prophesy to the bones, speak to them. Give me verse 4. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Do you know that you can use that as a prophetic tool to speak over your ear? The day you realize that you will not take declarations casually. And I mean declarations mixed with faith. You know the thing, you know what revelation does? It changes you from merely parroting words to speaking generally speaking by faith that's part of the prophetic so the prophetic will not always come and how can i put it i want you to be at a place where you take a blessing a declaration just as potent as you take a prediction which is the second part of the prophetic foretelling foretelling has to do with speaking the future let me give you an example Second Kings chapter 7, verse 1. There was a time there was a famine. And the prophet was challenged by the king. And look at what Elisha said. And then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What had happened is this. In this period of time, there was a famine such that things became expensive. There are things that were as useless as a donkey's head. To eat a donkey's head, you now needed to pay a big amount of money. So imagine the prophet hears the word of the Lord. And let's say it's like a situation like Zambia. And then he comes and says, by this time tomorrow, petrol will be at one quarter per liter. That's, that's, that, that's it. That's... That's... That's, that's the caliber of word that came. So there's foretelling, there's foretelling. There's speaking the word of God with power. And there's a predictive word. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we are in an atmosphere of revelation. For some, the Lord might give me a word about you. I mean a specific one. Others, he'll give it to you. You know what you do? You speak it forth with power. That's the assignment God gave me today.